What's going on, guys? It's your host, your boy, George McKay, back again for another Rewind, one of the last rewinds of this season. Because we're winding down, next week's episode is the final episode of this season until MLW is off the air and they come back in July. We've already talked about that. We've made the announcements. We know what's happening. The Vice TV deal, all that good stuff. And today, I got another guest host in the building with me. One of my brothers from one of my favorite podcasts in the world. Please welcome Uncle Bobby B from Stogie Mania to MLW Rewind. How are you, brother? What's up, Street Talk Faithful? We good, man. We good. It's Saturday morning. I have my cup of coffee, and we're going to talk wrestling. Yeah, I got my espresso kicking right here. Perfect. Oh, I love the old school 1980s cup, too, the horses. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So here on MLW Rewind, all we do is rewind this past week's Fusion. So we're talking about the Fusion that dropped on April 28th. Uh, great Fusion in a great week of wrestling. There was also a great Dynamite right after. And that's why I love wrestling as it is now, because there's so much out there. So many options for the fans. If you want that indie feel with that polish, you've got options. If you want the, you know, the Wednesday Night Wars or Monday Night Wars, whatever you want to call it now, even though NXT's on Tuesday, you got options. NXT on Tuesday. You've got MLW on Wednesdays. You've got AEW on Wednesdays. You've got uh, Impact now moved to Thursdays. You've got Raw on Mondays and Fridays. You literally have a plethora of options throughout your week to sink your teeth into. But here on Rewind, we only talk one option. The only option, in my opinion, MLW. All right. We're talking MLW. Let's That's right. It. So here we go. It starts off with the retelling of the uh, Von Eric and Tom Lawler feud from the start to where we are now, which is in this week's episode, we are going to see Marshall finally get his hands on filthy Tom Lawler. But as we'll go deeper into the episode, Lawler tried everything imaginable under the sun to get out of this match because he did not want to get his head in that claw. Um, this test was a nice touch. Yeah, I was. Oh, the piss test was great. We'll definitely get into that. And I love how, again, they brought in uh, disgraced ref Donahue. I always think that guy, when he shows up on MLW, it's just good time. So this, this, this week's episode is going to feature a couple matches with Team Filthy and with the Von Ericks. So we've got um, that, and we've also got Reed versus Rush 2. The media event was supposed to take place. And Pro Wrestling Illustrated doing some digging on El Jefe, trying to find out who is El Jefe. And, who uh, is the mysterious El Jefe? El Jefe, yeah. And we, we don't really get a definitive answer as the episode goes on, but we get a little closer. But if you want to check out that expo, expose that Pro Wrestling Illustrated did, it's on their website, ProWrestlingIllustrated.com. You can check it out. It's a five or six page spread. Really fascinating theories. I've already laid my theory out. I believe it's Vampiro, just based on the Aztec Underground and Lucha Underground logos looking very, very similar. Uh, the logical choice for me would be Vampiro. I just don't know how it's going to play out. And considering that he's not doing much right now, uh, he may be still doing stuff with AAA, but I'm pretty sure he's north of the border back in Thunder Bay because he can't travel because he's got a lot of health issues. So he may still be here. Therefore, if he's north of the border, like Alicia Altoot, he can go ahead and fly a little bit over and see what's popping. But yeah, he match just actually did some, sorry to cut you off there. He yeah. just actually posted some stuff today. Uh, I haven't checked it out yet, but he's, he's pretty active, uh, more active on the social media these days. Uh, it's, it's nice to see that Piero uh, doing, doing well. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I love that documentary. I mean, uh, Nail in the Coffin, The Rise and Fall of Vampiro. Uh, I thought it was a great documentary. It's probably one of the best I had seen in the wrestling documentary world. Uh, next to You Can't Kill David Arquette, which is still a, a guilty. Fantastic. Yeah. And his uh, his interview, uh, Vampiro's interview with Chris Van Vliet that he did, I think it was a couple years ago, maybe. Or mm -hmm. it, it was that's a, I, I listened to it like a dozen times. It was such a good interview. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, Chris Van Vliet has that way of pulling. Real Chris is dope. 
real emotions out. I've had him on the show twice. Uh, I know. He's, he's awesome. the mini host. He's awesome. Shout out to uh, Canadian boy, Ajax. That's right. All right. And we've also got Dow versus uh, Hijo. Again, if I'm saying it wrong, I'm saying it wrong. Hijo de la Park, which is LA Park's son. Um, and uh, stating Hijo that it's LA Park. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's always good to have you here because you're going to correct me on these things. Because when, when it was me and Lewis all the time, fuck, Spanish was not our first language and we oh. could not get it right. Buenos tardes, señores, señorita. Buenvenido a la primo podcast de MLW. MLW Rewind con George Mackay. Oh, shit. Look at that, man. Now, I, you know what? After this, we can do the whole uh, thing in, oh, yeah. in Spanish subs. We can do the Spanish subs and you can do it Beautiful. all. And I'll just make the outside reactions. <laughs> The channel Ultra from The Simpsons. And we also know that Selena, her fate is on the line. Oh, is it ever? In this in this week, if she does not get her shite together and fall back in line with El Jefe, there will be repercussions. There will be consequences. consequences. And we obviously find those out as we go later. But match number one is uh, a member of Violence by or sorry, Violence is Forever. I was gonna say the other faction, but it's not. It's Violence is Forever, uh Greeny. And he's accompanied with Kevin Koo versus Ross Von Eric, and Marshall is at his side. Um, so this one was old school. This one was old school, 1950s, 1960s wrestling at its best. A lot of mixed martial arts aspects to it. As we know in previous weeks, Ross went to Japan to do some MMA training with the great, say it for me. Keiji Muto. Thank you. Also known as the great Muta. Right. I'm not going to get that name right at all. So he's been going there training, doing his thing getting ready in preparation for a match with either Greeny or Koo, who both have that MMA background. Greeny a little bit more than Koo for obvious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Right off the bat, uh, Greeny drops it to the ground. And whenever you're facing Greeny, it usually goes to the ground right away because that's where he's the strongest. And that's where he can inflict the most damage very quickly. Uh, Ross doesn't fall for that, though. Uh, Greeny brings Ross to the mat. After a couple tries of trying to get Ross to take the bait, he finally brings him to the mat. Uh, half guard, he rolls out. And he does like kind of like a, a rush leg sweep or something like that. But he gets back up and Ross does a sweet old school takedown, grabs him from the hips, drives him into the mat. Very MMA influenced this match early on. Uh, Greeny gets a hold of Ross. And again, Ross is smart. Ring IQ, ring awareness, knowing where you are. He gets the ropes breaks. A lot of rope breaks in this match. Um, then Greeny and Ross, they're leg kicking back and forth. Raw, Ross kicks his way out. It's a very slow pace. But the exchange of the MMA holds and the takedowns, I really like the pace and I liked what they were able to show off because you don't get a chance to show off all these different guards and different holds and different positions in the world of pro wrestling. So this That's makes right. it very cool. This makes it a very cool, different feel. Uh, then we get palm strikes. And I love that he brought the Japanese influence with the palm strikes. It was great. great. Uh, Greeny into a triangle, almost into an arm bar. That was a sweet transition. Again, something you don't see too often. Both back up chops forearm strikes now we're just getting an old school brawl at this point um the nice spinning kick and chest kicks by both men then a punt kick by ross for a quick two i really thought it was over i really did but it was good it was a sweet punt kick right on the temple perfect placement uh into another guillotine choke but ross breaks the ropes again so again that ring awareness and ring iq knowing where you are on the mat to cause the rope breaks that probably saved ross nine to ten times in this match knowing where he was so he could stretch his arms or feet out to get those rope breaks. Greeny looks frustrated at this point because he's not able to lock in a hold fully. 
and he's not able to really get any uh, upper position to try to get into an arm bar or a guillotine or anything like that. Um, he goes for a suplex, but Ross counters into a modified Falcon arrow. I was that like, was awesome. holy shit. That was a Ross. great move. And after that modified Falcon arrow, we get Ross for the one, the two, and the three. And that was it. Ross Von Eric goes up on Team Filthy, one nothing. Garini did his best in this match. He told a great story. Garini is not one of my favorites. I've stated it for a very long time in watching MLW for the last five or six months that I have been faithfully. Uh, Garini doesn't impress me a lot. But in this match and the Filthy Island match, Garini won me over. Because I got to see him be a little bit more free. And when you're in the tag team matches, Koo seems to take a lot of the spotlight. Because Q's younger, he's quicker, he's got more speed to him. Garini doesn't get to show that off too often. But in this match, I thought the story was great. And I loved the outcome. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a Von Erichs guy. I got Texas mm -hmm. and Hawaii behind me. I've had them on the show. They're great boys. I love both of those guys very, very much. They're cool dudes. And uh, this was a great match. And I, again, I, I like the old school feel. I liked everything yeah. they brought to the table in this. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, same thing. I, you know, it was different for me to see like the MMA style kind of used so openly in terms of listening to the commentators talking about the guards and the transitions and stuff. Cause you, you might maybe see some of the, that stuff elsewhere, but you won't hear them call it the same way mm -hmm. um, where they're actually calling it MMA and they're talking about that stuff. So that was interesting. And it's a, it's a different dynamic. It's part of what makes MLW stand out from other places um, is that they're a little bit different and different is good. I like different, different means options, right? Mm -hmm. uh and it, it was like you said it was very enjoyable i really like the von erics actually give me one second i'm gonna pull this right here i actually have my last surviving pro wrestling mag that that i have you can see right up there is uh the mike von eric uh obituary from from uh it was 1987 so i've been aware of the von erics for quite some time because i used to read all the old pro wrestling mags in the 80s and i knew about world class and their father, Fritz, and the whole family. And, and obviously, we both remember the Texas Tornado because that's when we probably saw Von Erics for the first time. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it was an enjoyable match. There was great psychology in terms of they told the story. They, there was some background, but obviously tons of background. But the with the going to Japan with Keiji Muto, like it adds another dynamic to the story, another layer. Mm -hmm. And that's that's it's better to have multiple layers on a story than just one little thing screwing across right Absolutely. so I, I really enjoyed that yeah I, I like the fact that these stories are slow builds and a lot of times I always call Court Bauer the mad genius because a lot of times I don't know where he's spinning it and I don't understand why and then I'll sit there and be like that's a that's a promo that doesn't fit anywhere why are you going to send the guy to Japan there's no matches happening right now and then two weeks later it's like oh you sly fucking son of a bitch you you glorious yeah. bald-headed bastard look what you did you put some good shit together it's and hard to swerve people these days man it's hard it is, it is. And, and that's the great thing about, well, I mean, they're no longer going to be the best kept secret because on July 10th, they're going to be uh, nationwide. They're going, I've got that Vice TV deal. So they're definitely gonna... today. They start on Vice at noon, like today. They, they do. They do start on Vice at noon, but it's old school content. It's not brand new stuff. Gotcha. So they're, just, they're just upping, they're, they're uploading their catalog to Vice TV so you can go and you can watch it oh, and explore okay. it and all that stuff. Um, as far as I understand it, the first official uh, airing will be the new season in July 10th. Because after awesome. May 5th, apparently this season is over and we don't get anything started up again until July 10th. From what I understand, now if that changes, that changes. But next week's rewind will be the last rewind until I see until anything officially. Season. Right, until anything officially changes. So uh, you're on the second last. And who knows, depending on how much this comes, because I do got a co-host spot to fill. 
and there can't hey. always there can't always be guest hosts. So I like the way we're vibing right now, Rob. We're both wearing hats to cover up our bald spots. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. And I forgot to mention this that that there was a lot of yeah, it's happening. So yeah, there was. <laughs> but I, I mean, I mean, I got hair, just not not up, up with this part here. Oh, my wife had to shave my head because of COVID stuff, and I could see that the front part's got that George Costanza thing going. I'm like, no, oh, I'm yeah. not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for that yet. There was a lot of pushing and shoving after this match by both teams, Team Filthy and the Von Erichs. So we had the MLW refs, who I've criticized on numerous occasions for not stepping up and doing jack shit, and half the time not calling anything properly. And I was surprised to see four or five of them get out of the refs' locker room and actually come out and do a little bit of work. So bravo, kudos to the MLW. Refs All right, refs, for Good stepping job. up and doing something. Um, and now to go back. Back into that uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated expose, a source deep inside Azteca Underground has the identity of El Jefe, and it is close to being discovered. He's working on it, whoever this, this source is. And my money's on the muscle, El Jefe's muscle, because that's the only one we really haven't seen any character development to, other than when he pushes the poor MLW cameraman. And I get frustrated with that all the time. I think the MLW cameramen are the unsung heroes of the product. They get shit on so much, but they pull through. And they always have something great to say, like during that awful Barclay brawl, the best part of that match was when the ref was like, or when the camera was like, holy fuck, we got to get the fuck out of here. That was that was gold. And that's what you won't, unfortunately, won't be able to get that kind of gold on, on Vice TV because it is a TV network. They are a little jagged and a little bit edgier but you're not going to hear get the fuck out of here on national television you will not hear that you can only get away with stuff like that on youtube so that part of mlw i am sad to see go but the cameramen they are the unsung heroes i've said that from day one taking bumps yeah they are they're the best men in the business for what they do and how hard they fucking work uh then we get a lawler promo and Tom Lawler, every time he speaks, you have to shut the fuck up and listen, because if you don't, you'll miss those subtle jokes and innuendos. Like, this ain't Canada? Right. When he, during, during the, when he made him take the piss test, right. you hear it was so, this ain't Canada. I, I popped. I was laughing. Yeah. Like, this isn't Canada. But like you said, if you, if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it. You would have missed it because it's very subtle. And Lawler's worked very uh, diligently on his promo skills. If you watch him from MLW in the past to where he is now, night and day, he's probably one of the best Mike men that MLW has next to, in my opinion, the young goat, Myron Reed. Now, um, Lawler promo, he's basically frustrated. He's kind of mad at Garini and Koo, but it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Marshall shouldn't have been out there. This is a one-on-one contest. He completely fails to mention that Koo was in Garini's corner, but it's fine. Marshall was out there, and this is a one-on-one contest. Um, and he has an idea. He's going to take care of it. And he goes into his phone, and he types, and you only hear three letters, D-O-U. Now, D-O-U, in my opinion, would be the first three initials of a disgraced ref's last name. But, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say anything quite yet because we're going to get that in a second, but we're setting up for part two next week. Uh, the Russian read vignette retelling the feud, and it's just setting it up. It's building. It's building for what we know is going to be a barn burner next week. Rush versus read two. This will be match of the year candidate, much like I put rush versus read one as match of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. And I only hope court. I know you watch the show because I know MLW has eyes on rewind and I appreciate and love you guys for that. But I just got to make one suggestion. You only give us an hour. So for the last MLW that we're probably going to see on YouTube, live anyways, can we please get 30 minutes of just these two going at it? Give me 30 minutes. That's all I'm asking, Court. I don't ask a lot. I've asked for you to be on the show. You haven't really responded to those messages yet, and I forgive you, and I still appreciate you. You're the mad genius. But you've got to give me 30 minutes. What's your thoughts, Rob? Do you not feel that I, I 
myself, forget all the other MLW fans right now. It's all about me. I'm selfish. I deserve 30 minutes. You personally deserve to see Myron Reed and Leo Rush go for 30 minutes. Absolutely. And I have in, in my notes here, uh, Myron Reed, fire. Like, there's a lot of, and, and I'm a fan, I'm not a wrestler, but there's a lot of wrestlers out there these days, whether it's the top level or an independent scene that don't really know how to cut an effective promo, in my opinion. And it, it all comes down to, do I feel what you're saying? Is it convincing? Are you just somebody talking into the camera? Or am I believing what you're saying? And some guys yell, some guys are fancy, some guys do production with their stuff. Myron Reed just looked into the camera and I believed every single word he said deep down. Like, that is how you cut a promo. It's not about how loud you are. It's not about how long the words you use, how long you go. It's do I feel it? And I felt every bit of that. That was absolute fire. And those two guys can work. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be great. Give them a half an hour. Give them I'd give them forty five minutes. I'd make the whole show that one match. I completely agree. We'll, we're gonna get into that promo a little bit later that Rob is talking about. But he's right. Promo skills count and they matter. You got to talk the talk and you got to walk the walk. And when you talk the talk, you've got to make me believe that you're about to walk the walk, in my opinion. Uh, but then we go to my unsung heroes again, the MLW camera crew. They're outside. They're following Tom Lawler, who's walking around outside the building with his hood up, covering his face like we don't know who the fuck he is. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we see <gasps> Tim Donahue, D-O-U. Tim Donahue, the disgraced NBA ref from a couple of years ago that was shaving points. Jackass ruined my NBA fan and then lost me a lot of money, stupid prick. Uh, and uh, Lawler hands him an envelope which we can only assume has a lot of cash. And then, you know, Donna, he says, you know, let's, let's go over here. Let's discuss this. And they go off camera and I just love it. I love that they, they, they fully put out there that Tom Lawler is a snake in the fucking grass and we'll do whatever. Donnie, we can. He actually said this is less than usual <laughs> to imply like, well, this ain't the first time that, that Lawler has been, been paying me off, but it fits Tom. Lawler. He's filthy. He'll, he'll do whatever it takes. That's, that's a filthy move. Absolutely. And it's, and it's genius. And it's those little idiosyncrasies. And again, the camera, Hey, kind of like TMZ flavor, you know, it's TMZ style. Hey, Tom, yeah. Tom, Tom, what are you doing out here? Tom, Tom, what are you going to Starbucks? Tom, would you, would you go? Oh, 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 there's Tim Donnie. Oh, everybody be quiet. We already know you're there cameraman. You've already yeah. lost your incognito ability. You can't sit there and say, Shh, everybody be quiet. We, we know what's happening now. It's stated you're following Lawler and now he's meeting up with Donahue and he's handing him a manila envelope. Jeez, like we haven't seen a 1980s gangster flick before. They don't use the white envelopes from weddings. They use the fucking manila shit. Because manila, you can't see through that shit. Yeah, you can't give them white. And when I do see white in a gangster movie, I go, oh, you guys, you guys lost a budget? Really? You spent yeah. 30 bucks on espresso when you could have spent an extra 10 on the cheaper espresso and bought me some fucking manila envelopes. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, you can't have cheap espresso. All right, whatever. You're an espresso guy. I'm not. So we'll, I'll take your word at it. Now we get into the uh, retelling of Selena overstepping El Jefe, all the times that the muscle has assaulted my poor cameraman. And then we get into the Dow Park match. <laughs> now I've said it's it. fun. I've said this a lot. Buku Dow didn't impress me. The whole storyline with TJP, uh, he looked like a kid who was just whining because he didn't get his chocolate milk after dessert. And then last week happened. He won the match beat tjp with that awesome move that he calls the flatliner and he got him 
the student became the master and he beat the master. It's a, it's an old school storyline. We've seen it 50,000 times play out. And this was a really, really slow build. But again, Court Bauer, the mad genius, slow build. You're almost disinterested in the storyline. Then the match happens. You're like, holy fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of all in on Buku Dao. Dao still got a lot to work on the promo skills because English is not solid yet, but his wrestling does make up for it. And I will apologize to Buku Dao on Lax if he watches. Buku Dao, I'm sorry. I've doubted your abilities. I am a TJP guy. I still am a TJP guy. I feel like you two need another match because it wasn't necessarily, I think, TJ's most solid effort. But Buku Dao did pull out the win. And now he's riding high. Momentum is riding high. And this is Selena's last chance for redemption. So I'm cheering for Buku Dao because I love to see Selena De Laurenta get screwed. I think Selena De Laurenta has it upcoming because I'm team Alicia. I was on Alicia's side for that whole bullshit beef. And I think Selena hit a lot of below the belt things. She also assaulted Canada on numerous times. So I am not a Selena De, De Laurenti fan. I love her promo skills and I love her attitude. But I just, when she insults the country that I live and breathe in, like, fuck you. I don't need you. I don't, you don't have my time. You don't have and my I mean, time yeah, or my respect. You know, Alicia is a Canadian. So we're, we're, we're obviously going to gonna take her side. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So uh, my... The notes I had uh, with Buku Dao and Kyo uh, Diale Park. Uh, first of all, I grew up watching WCW Cruiserweight, so I grew up watching LA Park, the chairman of WCW. Loved LA Park. Uh, so it's great to see Hideo the LA Park working. Buku Dao is like 150 pounds, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And you know what? I, it, it, they were playing off the size difference early in the match. Oh yeah, when he, uh, dropped, when he dropped to his knees, I fucking yeah. laughed my ass off. And then he goes to give him the old school hand raise like the 80s, then clotheslines his ass. I absolutely love, I love that the parks are dirty, but could still play the face depending on the situation that they choose to put themselves in. And, and I uh, love the note on the commentary, uh, it's not against the rules to gyrate. <laughs> I thought that, that was hilarious. Like uh, little things Laurent. like that. Yeah, say what like, I like cool. those little comments. It's just like a little pop here and there for the people at home. Uh, yeah. But I, I really enjoyed that match. I love flippy shit i love luchadors i love lucha lucha style so this was an enjoyable match for me i thought it was solid uh and and you know it it uh, helped get uh, boku dao over um and like you said his promo skills english was not his first language right uh that be that as it may i even took a note that was like not not a terrible promo given his his english i, I i've seen worse from people who that's their first language so I mean, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really like uh, Buku Dao, and, and I definitely think some more matches with TJP uh, would help elevate him uh, where he where he needs to be. 100%. So in, in, to go back and rewind this match real quick, uh, again, like we mentioned, uh, dropping to the knees on Iho de la Park, he uh, making fun of Buku Dao's height, then he goes for the old school 1980s hand raise. Hey, look at this guy. He's great. And then he close lines him, a couple quick stomps, and then the Irish rip into a super kick, drops Dao on his ass, on his ass. Uh, now Park is whipping back, uh, whipping the back of Dow with his uh, his belt, and he's choking Dow. Dow rolls to the outside, and we it gets he slams Park on the floor, which was great. I always love when they utilize that hardwood floor outside because it's a lot sexier than when we see them use these like you know really really thick gym mats. And it's, yeah, like, you know that softens the blow for sure. But this is hardwood floor, so you get to feel that pop, and you get to you squirm a little bit when you see somebody going on that side of the ring for yeah, sure. Yeah, poor bastards. Uh, the announcers make mention of a masked man right beside them at cam off camera. We never see yeah. a masked man. We don't know what they're talking about. I was confused too. I'm like, well, why, why aren't the cameramen showing this masked man? We'll find out actually in a couple of minutes who this masked man is. Uh, but it's back to the fight. 
Uh, Park uh, tools Dow into a lazy pin. It gets a quick two count, but Dow, you know, he, he kicks out. We get a choke on Dow, another two count. Dow goes for the shoulder tackle, kind of just hits a stone wall and kind of falls. That was uh, great. But, but comes back with a very impressive heel kick into a bulldog. Really nice combination. Uh, suicide dive from Dow onto the floor. And then he rolls Park in for the crucifix pin, but Park kicks out. We get chops on Park, kick to Dow, Irish whip counter, kicks to Dow, knees, sweet insiguri. Absolutely sweet insiguri. Poetry in motion. Whenever you can land an insiguri like that, it's poetry in motion. Anybody who doesn't know, like I said, follow MLW when you're watching our, our commentary because you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Then a knees to the face on Dow. Another pin for a two count. I really did think it was going to be it. But the tilt to world face plant into a cross face. Uh, Park doesn't tap. Dow gets him into that sweet tilt to world into the cross face. I thought it was over, but he didn't tap. Then we get a kick to Dow. Corner running knees. Another two. Park puts Dow on the top. Dow's countering. Kicks to the face. And then he hits that flatliner. As soon as Park was on the top, I knew the flatliner was coming, and we get the win. Park goes down. He does not live up to the legacy of his father in singles competition anyways, and Selena storms off. She storms off furiously. We have no well, idea what's going on. She's deep shit now. Yeah, she's, a, she's 100% deep shit. And they mentioned that masked man a couple more times during the match, but again, we never saw. But later on in the episode, a few minutes from now, you will know who I'm talking about. Uh, then we get that Dow promo. This is the Dow or Die era. I hate you, DJP. I'm dedicating this match to my parents, and that's it. That was a promo. But I do like that Dow or Die era. Yeah, Dow or Die was cool. That was cool. Um, and now we're supposed to have that media event. And surprise, surprise, Leo Rush is a no-show. So Myron is there, and Reed is pissed. And then we get, right before we get Reed's promo, breaking news, uh, Alicia talking about the fight committee and who puts the fight committee together. This features uh, representatives from Dragon Gate, Rev Pro, uh, and one league member that's yet to be determined. But these are the people that solidify the matchmaking mm -hmm. in MLW. And who gets the title shots? Pro Wrestling's Illustrated Top 10 does have an influence, but the committee has a final say on who gets the title shots, which is probably why Alex Hammerstone hasn't got a title shot in two years, because the committee's got something out for him. Again, the open weight title, the Openweight Championship is supposed to be a number one contender's belt, yet he has not been able to cash in that title for two years to get this shot at Jacob Patu. Which is that is. I wonder why that is too. And it's, and it's, and again, it's the slow build, the extremely slow build, which you don't get anymore by Corp no. or the Mad Genius. You don't get these incredibly, this is a two year slow build. And it's like, it's exhausting. I've been bitching for months saying, fuck, the open weight title should just hang in my basement because it's more of a, of a, a piece of memorabilia than it is an actual fucking title, in my opinion. Well, because if I can just go on, go on a little tangent here. Remember when the pay per views used to be very few and far between, like every four months? Yeah. So you could, they would build things slower because you had more time. You just simply had more time to build it. Of course. So they would build stories up over four, eight, 12 months, as opposed to now you got a pay-per-view every month and you're always looking for that payoff. So I like the slow build because it's something that we don't get as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's great that they've been pulling this for two years and Hammerstone's awesome, but I'll let you get back to what you were saying. Cause I went off on a tangent, but yeah, Hammerstone is it's all good. It's all good. And um, uh, a meeting will happen next week and more matches will be set. Uh, then Selena consequences. We're going to find out what's happening after she gets out of her dressing room where we have cameramen waiting to speak to her. Uh, and Alicia is going to talk to Hammerstone later tonight. Uh, then we get the Marshall Von Eric interview. This is promo of the night, in my opinion. Get the Marshall Von Eric interview. 
with Alicia and Tom Lawler interrupts. Says Marshall is not all genetics and we need to find out what is happening. So here comes Tim Donahue with a cup and he says, come on, you got to take a piss test. Alicia says she's never seen this before in pro wrestling to take a piss test this close to a fight. And Lawler says, all big fights have drug tests. You can't get a big claw with just genetics. You got to make sure things are on the up and up. This isn't Canada. <laughs> and uh, that's when we get the Alicia classic trademark stink bitch face where she looks and like, dude, if I wasn't getting paid right now, I would fucking pop you right in the nose. Uh, then we see, again, our MLW cameraman. They always catch these fine moments. They're hiding in the bushes. By the angle, it looks like he was kind of taking a shit and just happened to be out there at the right moment. But Selena is being dragged out by this masked man. We finally see this masked man on commentary uh, that the commentators were talking about, dragged out to a car. She's got a paper bag over her head and she's thrown in the car. And then the masked man looked towards the camera like this. I don't think he saw the cameraman, but the cameraman, if he was crapping in the bushes, he did not have time to wipe. He had to so we had, a, we had a kidnapping and a non-wipe situation. A kid, a kid, a kid. What would we call that? A kid a kid non-wipe situation. A non-wipe kid yeah. situation. Yeah, you know, that's concerning. So somewhere out there, Sabrina De La Renta is, is missing, and there's a dude out there who didn't wipe. So there's yeah. an MLW cameraman. It's probably going to take a bump, and it might leave a stain. You never know. So that uh, that was a little concerning for uh, for for us, uh, you know, Sabrina De La Renta. She's uh, in, in, in some shit right now. Well, she was in shit the minute that uh, Promotion Joseph Dorado got uh, absolved by Aztec Underground. So um, she has been on the hook for a while. And I mean, the, the payoff is coming for the fans. Anybody that's tired of her, her running her promos or running her mouth, I want all the gold, Mel Mortis and You've ran your mouth for so many months. And yes, your wrestlers were able to back it up for a long time, but now it's been a steady, steady decline for everyone involved. And your wrestlers are tired of you. So it's not surprising that El Jefe is finally coming for you. And maybe next week we find out what happens to Selena and we get to see who the hell El Jefe finally is. I think that would be a great cliffhanger to end the season, in my opinion. Oh, um, yeah. And we would only need five minutes for that. So we could still give Reed versus Rush 55 minutes. We could. We could. Speaking of Reed, that's a great segue. See how good I am. I'm so good. I don't even know. So smooth. Uh, Reed promo on Rush. He's sacrificing time from his friends and his family. Says Rush doesn't care about the title or MLW. And every day he is training. And then he looks at the camera with that smoldering intensity and does a couple of those quick breaths where his nostrils flare like this. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, rush hour is about to be up. And you're like, damn, I want rush hour to be up. I want you to yeah. punch all his fucking teeth out and then pay for his veneers. Because you should. If you punch somebody's teeth out, you should pay for the veneers. You should. Absolutely. And he did, like I said it earlier, he did such a good job with that promo. And I like that it's like, not only did he get himself over in terms of his his comeback like his um, rematch I, I know what i did wrong i'm gonna write those wrongs he got leo over in terms of pushing his prima donna character mm -hmm. right of of being like i care more about that so he accomplished two things with that promo and he built up the match like that that's just like a 10 out of 10 promo he didn't need 10 minutes to do it you know what I mean? He came and he said what he needed to say. You felt it and he was done. And that's how more guys need to cut their promos is say what you need to say. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to put flowers around it. Just say it and mean it and make the audience feel it. And Myron did that. And that, that promo alone 
me, even if I knew none of the buildup and none of the history between those two guys, that alone would make me want to watch that match. And that's what it is. That's what the great thing about the, these promos are with MLW. They, they steadily build. And even if you're unsure what's happening, in one two-minute promo, Myron Reed went over the whole history and he hooked you in for next week. So even if you're not an MLW fan, I guarantee you next week's episode will be one of the highest rated MLW fusions ever. They usually I'll be get, watching. They usually get 20 to 25,000 people watching live and then they get more views after. But I guarantee you we're going to see well into the 40 or 50 thousands watching this match. I will put my money on it. And uh, speaking of great interviews, uh, the interview queen is back. She's with Hammerstone. Two years is the open weight champ. Says he's the man of the people, and he wants to give the people and the fans he's your boy. Want he's your boy, Hammer. Boy Hammerstone. That's it. And Fatu is scared, and Hammer is ready, and Fatun Fatu's reign is numbered. His days are numbered. And then we go back. We're still waiting on the drug test results. Uh, Lawler has been asking, <laughs> asking his uh, how big. Uh, Lawler asking how big is his blaster. Like, this is crazy. It shouldn't take this long to be. Like, what's going on? His bladder, not his blaster. Oh, did he say both? His bladder. It was bladder. Okay, you know what? I put blaster because I swear I heard blaster. I thought he was talking about his schlong. So he's Maybe looking at his schlong going, how long is it going to – it's so long, it takes a while to get out there, I guess. Yeah, that's right? what I That's what I figured. I thought it was like a super soaker. But Marshall's packing heat. It's all good, baby. Uh, then Donnie, he walks out and says, I saw it all. It's legit. He's ready to go. <laughs> and then Marshall – walks out completely stoned face how he got through that i'll never know and how he did not hit alicia i'll never know either walks out throws his piss right in lawler's face and says here's your test amazing just wow just uh and you know again that's the way marshall or any either of the von eric should cut the promos don't really say too much because, yes, I feel your passion, and you are one of the great up-and-comers. You come from a long legacy of amazing, talented wrestlers. And when Marshall Von Eric or Ross Von Eric are in the ring, they tell great stories. But the only thing that I think has been holding them back from getting any singles gold or any singles run in MLW or even really going back at the tag team titles is because their promos and the way they build stories – is lacking and much like myron reed was in the beginning of this year his promos were so so a lot of times he would cut him in his furnace room in his house and you could see the furnace squarely behind him and it's like dude I, I know you're better than that but now we're getting promos he's at the gym guess what he's surrounded by lockers surrounded by a shower in the background that makes sense to me now i know okay he's in a gym it's those little idiosyncrasies that help really sell a promo Big times especially in these day and age where you can't have people face to face or in the same venue so if you're going to cut a promo via zoom or your cell phone at least have the aesthetic background to make it believable for me that you are where you say you are. You can't be in a gym if you've got a furnace behind you. It just right. makes sense unless you're in the furnace room of the gym because it's quiet. I'm not sure. I don't know your journey, but if that's your journey, that's your journey. But the fact is, is that you've got to make it believable. And and not just little throwing the piss, which obviously wasn't piss, it was apple juice. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It was apple juice. Uh, because Lawler licked his lips after, and if it was piss, I would not be licking my lips. I would have been dry heaving and gagging. But Lawler, you never know. Lawler, he's filthy, yeah. man. Lawler is filthy. Yeah, I love them golden showers. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe that's the case. I'm not sure. But either way, that was probably the best Von Eric promo I've seen in a while. Just that little subtle idiosyncrasy. Boom. And we also find out that Rush has been fined for being a no show at the media event. It's good. And next week, Richard Holiday is going to be in action. And we're going to find out the fate of the Caribbean title. And just as we're about to find out the fate of the Caribbean title, we get a contra interruption, as per usual every week. Aha. 
who other than the head of Contra, Joseph Samael, to cut a promo? And he he cuts just poetry emotion. If you want to know promo one-on-one, any up-and-coming wrestler, just watch every fusion for just the Joseph Samael promos because they are amazing. Uh, Hammerstone saying all the right words. And he can call all the shots. He does not have the power. This is no propaganda video. This is a video and he spaces his out. Check it out, Rob. He spaces himself and he looks at the camera. Video of truths. One year ago, Contra seized control. He was in Corp Bauer's office, Joseph Samuel himself. He reworked contracts. He controls who challenges Fat 2, not Hammerstone. And now the slow build for two years as to why Hammerstone hasn't got a title shot. It all comes. It all to- makes sense. It all make- and not MLW. The challenge is denied. So now here it is. Laid out, slow build after two years, sitting there frustrated as fans, wondering, when the fuck are we going to get Hammer versus Fat 2? I feel like I had to watch GSW, which is a great up-and-coming promotion. I had to watch GSW because it's more in line to get Hammerstone and Fat 2 quicker in GSW, Global Syndicate Wrestling, than it was in MLW. But now I understand why. It's not that Hammer couldn't get a title shot. It's that he wasn't allowed a title shot because Joseph Samael reworked Jacob Fat 2's contract and now he gets to call. And that's why guys like ACH, who were 10 on the Pro, uh, pro, wrestling, pro wrestling Illustrated Top 10, he was number 10 getting a title shot. It didn't make sense. It's confused. Why is number 10 not getting a shot before number one? If you're number one, that means you're next in line. But now we know. So two years. Andre Unit's been, been uh, pulling the strings. Well, that's it. Two years and a two-minute promo. And I get, I get, my, I get what I want. I get my closure. I'm at peace now. If Hammerstone doesn't get a title shot, I know it's because Joseph Samael fucked him. Sorry, all hail Contra. I can't, I can't say that because Joseph probably watches too. I don't want to get in trouble. Hail Contra. Well, okay. let me let me tell you something. Watching that promo, like again, like you said, this is promo 101. For guys who are looking like watching that promo, I could understand what kind of person Joseph Samael is because his words were so careful and measured and timed and you could tell he was scheming and thinking you could tell this is an intelligent guy who's always looking to manipulate things behind the scenes and i could just tell that from the way he spoke so that's such an effective way of getting your your character and who you are across just through speaking just if i didn't know anything else about him and i just watched i could tell this motherfucker's scheming and he's up to no good and I didn't need to. I didn't need to hear him say he was up to no good to know. I could just tell by looking at him, like, and it all makes sense now. Why Hammerstone hasn't been getting a title shot? Why it's been guys who were lower on the on the contender ratings? Because Contra Unit's been making sure he doesn't get a title shot. And does that mean that Jacob Fatu is afraid of Alexander Hammerstone? Why wouldn't you give him the shot if you were so confident you could beat him? And that's and that's and that's where the, the next mystery lies. Uh, will we ever find out if Jacob Batu is really afraid? I don't know. Calvin Tankman got a shot, and Calvin yeah. Tankman, Calvin Tankman, and Jacob Batu had a barn burner of a match. And if Jacob Fatu didn't cheat and use the flag to win, we would have had a new champion. But that's okay because I see the build going this way. I see Hammerstone getting fed up, 
maybe going directly at Contra, not Max Kruger, not any of the underlings, going right at Joseph Samael, beating the shit out of him until he agrees to give Fed to a contract. And in that match, I see the match going to a time limit draw because MLW, they have 20 minute, 25 yep. minute time limits. I see that match going to a 25 minute draw, no defeat winner. And then I see heavyweight hustle. My boy, Calvin Tank walks right out, stares both of them down in the center of the ring and says, why have two when you can have three? All three of us are at the top of our game. Let's do it. Triple threat. Oh, that'd, be a, that'd be a barn burner. Triple threat, no rules. I should book for MLW. Court Power knows. I've said it on Wax before. He's the mad genius. I could be the second mad genius. I could be the mad genius behind the mad genius. I could be the um, the underling mad genius. I'm crafty. I could book. I could book really well. I just, I'm lazy. But well, when, I think, when I think of an idea and I get it stuck into my head, I could sell a story. And my words, much like Joseph Samael, my words matter. <laughs> I, I pull you in. I pull you in. All right. You ready? It's main event time. All right. All right. Here we go. Main event time. Uh, <laughs> Lawler walks out with Team Filthy and he's wearing a Von Eric's t shirt. Why are you be repping the new t shirt from the guys you hate the most? But hey, he's wearing the Von Eric's t shirt. That's his journey for today. That's fine. Um, <sighs> I just, Lawler, so many different layers to this man. Uh, Marshall walks out, and ding, 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 the bell's on. Lawler, very quick drop kick to the knee, going right after the bad right knee. Right after the knee. And that's what Lawler does. He's quick, he's calculated, he's much like Triple H in that aspect, where he, he sees a weakness, and he picks and picks and picks at it, very slow and very methodical. Uh, we oh, get man. fists back and forth, because Marshall, you know, he's still got the strength. It's early on in this match, he can stand up on that knee. Uh, Lawler again at the knee, he dives uh, right shoulder into the back of it, and out into the mat. Both men are exchanging corner strikes. Uppercut by Marshall. Very nice uppercut. Marshall's got that reach where an uppercut from Marshall probably feels like a sack of bricks hitting you right in the face. Um, Lawler with a firearm chops and, um, and then more chops on Marshall. Again, a kick to the knee back and on the attack on Marshall's knee. Uh, standing switch, uh, which was great. Old school, like NCAA Loved wrestling. it, yeah. You got the standing switch, you know? Like you don't see that very often anymore. I, know, I haven't seen that since uh, Kurt Angle's early days. Mm -hmm. WWE. He used to do the standing switch in the middle of the ring all the time. And the best is when he would do it on like guys like The Rock or Stone Cold who don't really have that NCAA background in training because they play football. So they don't have that NCAA wrestling background. And then they would stop and be like, what just happened? And then yeah. he would double the face. So when you get to see the old school NCAA standing switches, those are impressive. Uh, Lawler uses the ropes as a shield. And he goes to throw Marshall into the ref, but Marshall stops. Then again, chop to the knee. Always finding a way to get back on the knee. Uh, Lawler counters Marshall's counter slam and forward, and he moves, slams him forward instead of like it was supposed to be a Russian leg sweep, but he ended up sweeping him forward into his face, which was impressive. It wasn't the back, it was a forward. It was very, yep. very nice. And then he's working on Marshall's knee. He's twisting, he's turning, he's moving it ways it's not supposed to move. But Marshall, having obviously that great height and reach advantage, got to the ropes pretty easy. Anywhere Marshall, Marshall's on his back in the middle of the ring. He literally could stick a pinky out and get to any corner because he's such a tall. Great ring awareness. Know where he was. Go for the well, ropes. And, and that's the Von Erics, right? That's who they are. They're very, the IQ is insane and their ring awareness is insane. They could be blind with two eyes and they could feel where they are in that ring at all Absolutely. times. And that just comes from family lineage. You can't teach stuff like that. You either nope. have ring IQ or you don't. So that's the way I look at that. Um, Lawler keeps kicking on the knee. He's working on the knee got a nice knee bar that knee bar was pitcher perfect you don't get a lot of good old school knee bars and again these are old school holds man these aren't like four leaf clovers these are like you know a boston crab these are holds you don't get anymore now you get 
bank statements, cross faces, STFUs, yeah. always putting somebody's arm in and wrenching the face. You never really get classics. That's why I think I drew more towards Becky Lynch or more towards a Ronda Rousey because their holds were old school holds. You don't I still love the Texas Cloverleaf, man. Texas Cloverleaf is one of my favorite holds. For Aiden me Prince does it frequently. Yeah. I love it. I know he does it. He does it great. For me personally, I mean, I'm a Canadian born and bred. So for me, the sharpshooter, anytime I can see a picture perfect sharpshooter, even the Scorpion Deathlock, which is very similar to a sharpshooter, we know it just got one's a little in, bit of a height out. difference. Yeah. But I, I old school holds like that. And of course, obviously, you can't forget the classic wrestling hold of all time, figure four leg lock. I mean, that is. And my daughter knows how to do a figure four leg Ooh. lock. And I taught her how to do an arm bar. So we're pretty good with that stuff. Um, so back on the attack, again, that knee bar was picture perfect. Forearm exchanges on the floor. So as Lawler has the knee bar, Marshall is just wailing on him with this hammer of a fucking forearm. It was incredible. I, ha I had in my notes, holy fucking forearms. <laughs> like this I'm whole surprised. match, I just know it, like forearms, forearms, forearms. I was just like, oh God. I'm surprised that Lawler wasn't busted open because a couple of those shots landed picture perfect on where you would see a cut right above the eyebrow. It was almost like um, Brock Lesnar on Randy Orton back in the day. Yeah. With those elbows, those elbows and those uh, open fist uh, shots to the face. So the forearm exchanges are always great. That's the, that's what you got to do with the Von Erics. They can't tell a high flying story, but they can ground and pound you. They can, they can pretty much saw your bones into dust. If given the opportunity to wail on somebody, they will wail. Uh, Marshall back to a standing position, tries to go for a suplex, but the knee gives out. Chops on Lawler to the chest and a sweet clothesline. Distraction by fucking violence is forever. Of course. Ref's back is turned. Lawler gets a wrench. I don't know where this tire wrench came from, but he gets a wrench. I and think again, it Marshall brought it in. Was it Marshall that brought it in? Yeah, I was a little confused too. I had to go back, but yeah, I think Marshall brought it in. And then uh, it got turned against him. Okay, so then, well, then I guess it worked out well. Then it, then it played well into the storyline of the match story. Um, yeah. Uh, and then he hits Marshall's knee again, and Lawler's back in the attack. Marshall somehow gets back to his feet. He got to his feet a lot, even though his knee had taken insurmountable yeah. amounts of punishment. Again, we get sweet forearm exchanges, an amazing Irish whip, and Marshall's leg just gives out. In the middle of the Irish whip, he was going to go full force with a clothesline, and his leg just gave out. And I love that. Your leg gives out. Now you're sitting there scrambling. You're selling. You're old school selling at its finest, and Lawler's Very back on the attack. Selling. Now we're kicking, we're stomping the knees. Elbow strikes in the corner, and a foot choke. Lawler in control. That foot choke. Uh, foot chokes are classic. That was great. Classic. And I love Lawler the is a very believable uh, wrestler. Like, oh yeah. Uh, when I when I see him put a hold on, or throw a forearm, I know it's like you know he's he's working as best he can. But like that's that's a believable strike. Mm -hmm. That's a believable hold. Mm -hmm. I feel like Marshall's in pain right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's uh, a skill that not everybody has, but I think Lawler's got it in excess. Oh, yeah. Lawler, Lawler is probably the top heel next to Joseph Samael in MLW right now. And it's a shame that uh, the only way we'll ever get to see Joseph Samael and Tom Lawler exchange words is if Tom Lawler ever goes face and has to face like Jacob the two. That's the only time we'll get to see that promo war. And who knows? That could happen. Lawler could be due for a face shake. He was a face when he brought the Von Erics in. And then he went heel when he screwed them. So right. this could be this could be something that we see very, very in the in the very, very distant. Could be a slow, a slow build to Oh yeah. And that's what MLW does best. Again, the Magenius Corp Bauer, he's tying up all loose ends. I felt like I was in the Godfather. Today I said a lot of family business. Um <laughs> so, <laughs> Lawler goes for the clothesline. Marshall ducks it. 
And then he hits back-to-back drop kicks. How the fuck are you going to hit drop kicks with only one leg? But he hits him. He goes for a third one. Lawler pushes him out of the way. And then Lawler's back in the attack. See, anytime Marshall got any momentum, Lawler found a way to get back. Then Lawler's Classic storytelling. Multiple different holds. He went from a Boston Crab to a half Nelson on the knee to a half Crab on the knee. Like three or four different holds. He was twisting it to the side too so it even more sold the the knee damage right yeah it it, it really really did tell a great story and it showed lawler's mma background very well i love how it was very this episode most of the matches other than buku dao the buku dao match uh, with hero hero de la park um everything else was mma influenced and i thought that was a cool way to do it to keep mma in the von erics and team filthy feud uh marshall then goes for the claw and he gets it he does get the claw for a brief second, but Lawler Lawler holds on. And he did like a slam with that claw. Yeah, that well, that's kind of what it is, right? Yeah, like that when he it, it came off looking so good when he did it. And then uh I just had a feeling that it wasn't gonna work out. Yeah, and you know what? It, it impressed the crap out of me. And a, a very creative match all across the board, the story that was being told, and I have that in my notes. Uh Marshall gets the claw again from the floor. This time his back is on the floor and he reaches out, he gets the claw and Lawler's got a hold of his legs and Lawler's trying to fight it off. He does break the claw. I don't know how the fuck he did. He broke the claw. Marshall back to his feet and now he has the claw firmly locked in. There's nowhere for Lawler to go. Uh, forearm strikes by Lawler, but he, again, he has nowhere to go. Kicks to Marshall's knee and then um, Irinagi, if I'm saying that right, Irinagi. Yeah, Irinagi. Yep. Irinagi slammed by Lawler, forearm exchanges. Lawler, Lawler with the guillotine choke. Again, old school MMA guillotine choke. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Marshall gets Lawler in the claw for the third time, but Lawler kicks out. I don't know how the frick he did, but he kicked out. Back kicks and gut punches by Lawler. Marshall has to let the claw go at this point. Lawler back to a knee into a single side crab. I haven't seen one of those since like 1980s Dean freaking Malenko. Okay. I haven't seen a single side crab in forever. Marshall screaming in pain. Face is beat red, sweat dripping down, just selling the crap out of it. And he's screaming and he's screaming and he's screaming until and he stops screaming because he passed the fuck out. He passed the fuck out from the pain. And this is smart move by Court Bauer because Marshall saves face. Lawler gets the win, but Marshall can come back in a few weeks and say, and say, I never submitted. You didn't beat me. Yeah, I didn't tap. And this is old school WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart versus, versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold never said i quit never tapped never did any of it so when you get these old school storyline finishes now that everybody saves face in a match like this the heel gets the win because he got it cleanly yeah okay he used the wrench at one point but for the most part he got it clean win which a lot of heels don't get they always get a dirty underhanded win right and marshall saves face because he just passed out and then and now you've got sorry let me just let me just wrap this up real quick sorry yeah, let me wrap this. So then um, Lawler wins. Ross is in to check on his brother. And then we get Team Team Filthy is all over the Von Erics. And who to the rescue? A very slow, trotting ACH from the back. I think he actually took a zip of water right before he came through the ring. ACH looked like he was going just like, oh, man. I guess just kind of happy to be there. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm ACH, buddy. What's up? I love ACH. Don't get me wrong. But I, was like, I do, too. And this was, not, this was not the hero's rescue that you needed to see from ACH. But everyone is fighting. They're all over the ring. It's anarchy. And, the, and MLW goes off the air in only the fashion that MLW can do. And that's what I love about this product. It's so polished. It's so fresh. And it's sad because it's no longer the best kept secret in pro wrestling. 
with that TV yeah. deal, a lot more eyes are going to be on it. And that's going to be Good. great. That's going to be great for the product. But you know, it's something like something like the Ontario NDC. I hated building it up when I started this podcast because I wanted to keep it to myself. I don't want to share it with the world. Yeah, I had to. Sure. I had to. I had to tell yeah. them some of the best talents in the world here. And if they don't oh. know, well, over the last four years, they fucking know. So, Yo, do you know if uh, Tom Waller's ever worked, Josh Alexander? I, you know, I did Google that. I did Google to see if they had ever had a match. I couldn't really find a definitive answer because the internet. You lies. know, that would be amazing. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, I'd like to see that and one. And there, there is see, and this is what I. Okay, I'm going to go on a little rant here if I can. The Forbidden Door. People talk about it like this is only an AEW and Impact design. It's no. the first time it's ever happened. It, it back, went on back in the day. Yeah, but also go back through the archives of MLW. They've had working relationships with New Japan, with Dragon Gate, and with AEW, because I've seen Brian Pillman on many of an MLW. Absolutely. You're alone. Uh, they've also had working relationships with Impact, as TJP is there. They have working relationships with everybody. Tom Lawler is a New Japan champion. The Opera Cup champion, yeah. Yeah, well, he's but he also recently won that New Japan Showcase. Uh, he just won the strong openweight title from New Japan. That's right. So at the end of the day, working relationships of wrestling have been a thing from long ago. And what sucks is that there was some breaking news earlier this week, actually, literally yesterday. I think WWE I know what you're going to say is in talks now with MLW. And I know this formula. It happened with Evolve. They were in talks, had a working relationship. Then what happened, WWE bought Evolve. Bottom out. I hope and pray that Court Bauer will say, I'd rather close the doors and go belly up than sell to you. Well, okay. And I, and I absolutely see your argument. Um, if I was in Court Bauer's position, and WWE wanted to buy, assuming those two things were true, I would only sell if certain conditions were met. Like, I don't want you to take my product and dismantle it and just... That's what they do, Rob. But that then do. I wouldn't sell, personally. I, I, I'd rather not sell, that simply. But what I was going to say was, um, I wonder if it's possible that they're talking about the championship committee. What if that unnamed member is... Somebody from WWE. How about how about we change it? How about we say somebody from NXT? It's still WWE, but it's sure. NXT. How about <laughs> the game? That would be a big. That would be a big move. And like, I wouldn't put it past WWE to to try and make a, make a, a splash in the uh, interpromotional department given all the other promotions that are doing it right now but think about this you could actually if it works and again i i want it to be a working relationship but the only reason i say is the last time it was supposed to be a working relationship with evolve and what happened so working relationships tend to go to eventually we're just going to take you over uh we're going to buy you out we're going to pay you off we're going to say goodbye to your promoters i'm going to assume control and then what am i going to do i'm going to take all your archives i'm going to throw them on my network and then i'm going to shelve your product and i don't want mlw to end up on a shelf no, it's been, eight, it's been 18 plus years of gloriousness that it doesn't deserve to go out this way. Now, if it is a working relationship, if I'm Corp Bauer, I say, cool, Triple H, you can come in. You bring some of your talent, bring in your cruiserweight division. I would love to see fucking Jordan Devlin go at Myron Reed. I would love to see Finn Balor take on Alex Hammerstone. I would fucking pay to see Richard Holiday get his teeth slapped out by Adam Cole. 
I would pay for these things gladly as long as MLW stays intact. And now, again, what happened with Evolve, Rob? We started seeing more WWE talent get more camera time and less Evolve talent get camera time. Well, yeah, Shotzi, now, it worked out in the end for certain people like Shotzi because Shotzi got her contract based off her appearances at Evolve. But again, she was on the Evolve brand before she got her contract. And right. Shotzi is a great talent. But look what's happened to Shotzi. Look what's happened to Shotzi. She's she's mid-card. This she's is not like a more mid- of a host now than well, this is she's not a mid-carder. She's not no, she I believe she's isn't she not one half of the she's like a tag team champ. Isn't she, she? Yeah, she's but she's okay, but she's not why is she not going after the women's championship? She had one shot at the title. Like there's there's this is what I'm saying. I don't want Myron Reed to be chasing cruiserweight gold in WWE. I want Myron Reed to be going at the NXT champion. At the end of the day, I personally don't care who's who's got belts. I just want to watch enjoyable wrestling and stories. So if I'm WWE and I'm looking at what can MLW do for me, because I can do lots for them, but what are they going to do for me? Oh, they can totally I'm looking at storytelling abilities and let Corp Bauer do everything. Right. I'm looking at creative because okay. MLW's creative is big. <sighs> I'm looking at talent. Because I want to see guys like Jacob Fatu and Roman Reigns. Because that's going to draw. For WWE, that's going to draw. Okay? Fatu and, wins and, in two And like minutes. all the other matches you just said. Fatu right? wins like, in two minutes. Yeah. Well, not if Vince is booking it. Fatu uh, wins in two minutes. And uh, Joseph Samael punches Paul Heyman in the face. And then gives <laughs> Paul Heyman a stink face. Said, here's my brown eye, motherfucker. Okay? That's the way I see that match going down. But, but you know what? If I'm WWE, I want, I want access to like Contra Unit. Like I want, I want them making appearances. So I'm looking at what can MLW do because I can do tons of shit for them. I could send them five wrestlers and get them tons of exposure. Okay, but you got to remember though, right? Contra Unit has a couple guys that WWE does not see eye to eye with. Won't touch. I know. So there's that. There is that. Uh, but you know what? I, stranger things have happened, man. Hulk Hogan is back. Yeah. I mean. You know what I mean? Like, like you look like a dirty, smelly pirate hooker. Okay, I do. No, he did. Hogan at WrestleMania. He looked that fucking pirate oh. outfit. I was like, dude. And I felt, I, I genuinely felt bad for Titus, man. Dude does so Should've much charity it. work. He's such a nice guy. Yep. And you, you just stuck him in a in a a rock and hard place position, where it's like, if I host with this guy, like it, it kind of sucks because he was racist. And if I don't, then I could probably get fired and. There goes all my charity stuff. So, like, really, I felt bad for the guy. They put him in a tight spot there. Right. But he 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 wrote it and he did it as best as he could. And absolutely he, full he credit. Like, he looked like Titus. He looked like Titus. They just was having fun and happy to be there. But my point is, if there's all these interworking relationships, and I get it, as wrestling fans, this is what we've clamored for. I just want to educate people. And that's and again, this is my opinion. You don't have to like it. I've got people that have made comments about uh, that I'm overhyped or overanimated sometimes. I'm not overhyped or animated. I'm a passionate wrestling fan. So when I see something I like, I get giddy like a five-year-old. Like I just got the best toy from Christmas. But the fact is, is that working relationships of wrestling behind the scenes have been something fans have wanted for a long time. And they have happened. Just fans don't know that they've happened. But they've happened. But now all these marks are out there. All these hardcore AEW fanatics are out there. And listen, I appreciate the AEW product. But I'm not fully invested. I have been with leading up to Blood and Guts next week because I want to see MJF get fucked up by Jericho to no avail. And I also want to see 
I'm a Sean Spears guy, but I want to see Sammy take Sean to the limit. Now I am going for FTR because I've been a fucking FTR faithful since day one when they were dashing Dawson. Okay. Boots to faces. Punches to asses. I've been that guy from day one. But the fact is, is that the forbidden door has not been opened now. It's only been opened now because we have Kenny Omega rocking other companies gold, but it, it it's a plus and a minus. Would you not agree with me about this? The fact that you put gold on Kenny Omega, two different promotions so far, AAA and Impact, have put gold on Kenny Omega's waist. The match with Rich Swan was epic. But I honestly believe, in my opinion, if I'm Scott Demore and I'm the guys at Impact, I would have been fighting tooth and nail to make sure that somehow Rich Swan still kept the gold and Kenny saved face. Maybe uh, I, I uh, absolutely agree with you. That was my opinion when the match was announced. I didn't think they were going to put the gold on Kenny because I didn't see a point. At first, I, get I thought it was a Survivor Series exposure. Match. Yeah. I thought it, was, it was a, a great Survivor match. Series match. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say it was a great match, but like I would have, I would have looked for a way to, to, to make the finish so that Kenny saved face, but Rich kept the belt. I don't see the benefit personally of putting the impact title on Kenny because now how are you going to get it off him like and how long are you going to have it on him because now you've got now he's built up as like I'm the king shit I'm the belt collector so how the fuck do you get your title back well there's only one way I see it working and if I could pitch an idea this is the way I see it working Scott Tamora on Thursday he started this tournament that when we get to the next uh, impact uh plus exclusive uh pay-per-view if you want to call it uh, yeah, they're yeah. going to have a final tournament to pick a new number one contender because apparently there was a no rematch clause for Rich Swan, which is stupid. Why anybody would sign that makes no fucking sense to me. But there's a, a no uh, rematch clause and there's going to be a new number one contender. The only way I see it working, honestly and truly, is you can't give it to one of the vets. You can't give it to a guy like Tommy Dreamer because people are just going to shit all over it because they were so happy when Edge came back, but then were pissed off when he went 63 minutes to win the Rumble. Then pissed off with Daniel Bryan. They wanted Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, but then pissed off with Daniel Bryan got the main event at WrestleMania. Like wrestling fans are hilarious to me because they bitch and complain about something they want and when they get it. I didn't want that. Dude, you just said 10 minutes ago that that's what the fuck you wanted. Nobody hates wrestling more than wrestling fans. I, but see, I don't. I appreciate. Listen, at the end of the day, well, WWE, same here. But you has know, WWE generally. screwed up some storylines. One hundred and fifty percent. I said Roman Reigns should be put with Paul Heyman four years ago. It was one of the first episodes we did at Straight Talk. Me, Steve, and Michelle. We we did an episode called Deconstructing Roman Reigns. And at the end, I went on a five minute rant and I said, "Listen, you want to sell Roman Reigns? Make him a heel. Make him not speak. Put him with a guy like Paul Heyman. Put the belt on him and never let him lose." Four years later, oh my God, Roman Reigns are heels. Best thing ever. Hi, fuckers. Me. <laughs> Four years ago, I said that. And it's not that I'm saying that somebody's stealing my storylines. Maybe they are. Vince? Vince, are you here? Oh. No, but they're, they're stealing my storylines. No, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, is that I have a mind for the business and I understand it. But I like what I like. At the end of the day, was WrestleMania entertaining for me? Yes, it was. Was, was NXT entertaining for me? Yes, it was. Has AEW been entertaining for me? The pay-per-views have. I find it hard sometimes to get through a dynamite because there's so much going on. They're trying to pack so much into two hours. Yeah. I also can't get into Evolve that often. I watch the highlights the next day and same thing with Dark. And I've interviewed a lot of those amazing up-and-coming talents. And those are the talents I want to focus on because those are the future of the business. Maddie mm -hmm. Rakowski, Ray Lynn, uh, John Schuyler, Bill Collier. Like, these are talents I want to see more of because they deserve it. Um, and uh, Amber Nova, I interviewed her. I didn't even know she was going on AEW. And the week my episode drops there, holy shit, she appears on AEW. Happy coincidence? Yes. I'm just lucky. 
I'm just fucking lucky. But my point is, if you're going to sit there and you're going to have these forbidden door processes, don't let another company shit all over your company. And also what I'm sick and tired of as well is hearing Tony Khan going on podcast after podcast and saying, oh, without this, without me, this wouldn't have happened. But this wouldn't have happened. And showing up at Impact, buying TV time on Impact to sell AEW. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I'm sorry. Well, it just doesn't make sense. And I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's already been bought and purchased. Tony Khan owns Impact. Maybe he does. I'm, I, if he does, great. But all I'm seeing is Impact talent going over there and starting beefs with Darby Allen when there's no history between Ethan Page and Darby Allen. I've been waiting. I've been waiting decades to get a hold of Darby Allen. What are you talking about? He's fucking 25 years old. You've been waiting to get a hold of him since he was five decades. So since he was five years old, you were like 15 Ethan, years old. Ethan like, had a grudge no, against no, Darby Allen. You and I, you and I, fucking in our 20s, well, I'm gonna fuck you up, bro. Like, get the fuck out of here. When, when Darby Allen first uh, just kind of formulated out of the remains of a hot topic. Ethan Page already had a grudge against him. Related, there was there was a hot topic that burnt down, <laughs> and, and out of the burned remains emerged Darby Allen, and Ethan hated him from that day. I, I guess so. Maybe because Ethan wanted to be built out of the remains. I don't know. But all I'm saying I, is, I mean, I look at look at going back. Uh, look at like when when New Japan and uh, I think it was All Japan way back when they when they were together. The, all Japan what about, was what about triple, what about AAA and WCW back during the Monday Night Wars? Yeah. But like, there's got to be if two promotions are if we're gonna have a working relationship besides just talent sharing and you know okay I'll let my talent go over there we're gonna have some sort of established acknowledged relationship it has to be mutually beneficial otherwise there's no incentive for either of us to do anything if I'm not benefiting from it why am I gonna do it and vice versa so the bigger company generally strengthens their brand by going over the smaller smaller companies wrestlers. And the smaller company gets the benefit of the exposure through that big company and having that bigger company's wrestlers on their matches. Okay. Giving them more exposure. Okay. That's but there generally... hasn't been 50 50, Rob. There hasn't been because who's been going Agreed. over to AEW? Only the Good Brothers. Only the Good Brothers are representing at AEW. When did Agreed. we see Rich? When did we, we see Rich Swan pull up in an impact bus on fucking AEW? It never happened. It never happened. The only people we're seeing is Don Callis and the Good Brothers. And I'm a Good Brothers guy. I love seeing the more Good Brothers for me, the better. I can, I can, I can even, I don't give a shit. Talk and shop a media. Wanted to love enjoy both. We bought it. We paid for it and watched it. It was great. I, I love both. And it's on my fight TV because I paid for it. I own it now. So yeah. the fact is, is that it's not, it hasn't been mutually beneficial. I've seen Tony Khan's fucking face all over impact. I have seen none of Scott Demore's face on impact. And here's my fear. Okay, we have we both have a friend over in Impact right now. Yeah. And he's the current reigning defending X Division champion. Okay. And he is the future of this business. He's been the he's been the guy in this business for a long time, my fucking opinion. The fact that he's only got singles gold now is a travesty. So close conveniently to his contract. They're not gonna stick them back together in AEW. I hope not, because I swear to God, if an amazing talent like the walking weapon goes and sits mid-card in a tag team division where only the young bucks will be on top. I don't want to watch the product. And I'm not shitting on the Young Bucks. I love the Young Bucks. I love those guys doing ROH. But the fact of the matter remains, for the last year and a half, I've only seen the Young Bucks either going after the titles or wearing the titles. And I'm sorry, that's not the way it goes. When We, we heard the press conference from Cody Rhodes himself 
this is going to be something different, something you've never seen before. Here we are going into year three. Kenny Omega's rocking gold. The Young Bucks are rocking gold. I've seen it, Cody. I fucking seen it, and I'm tired of it. My rant's done. But are they drawing? Of course they're drawing, Rob, because there's a ton of marks out there that just hate the WWE so much that they were willing to go. And you know what? Here's another thing. When I sat down with Nick Aldis, okay, and he, I asked him, I said, will you follow me after this interview? And he said, I got a phone call coming in. He completely stonewalled me. I love that guy for that. He basically just said, <laughs> no, I'm not going to follow you. I don't like you. That's fine. I don't care. But the fact is, is that Nick Aldis was right. He said, people forget without ROH, that first pay-per-view that made Tony Khan want to invest all in or all out. What the fuck was it called? All in? All in. All in. ROH set that shit up. People forget that. Yeah, ROH was very involved in, in the planning but people, and, and But everything. people forget it. Tony because Khan, Tony Khan's like, oh, look at me. I'm going to invest in a wrestling company based off of this event at ROH. You want to invest in a wrestling company? Why not just buy ROH? Build up that talent because they have one hell of a crop of talent over there. Yeah, they're, they're having some issues right now, though. I don't know if you've been keeping up on that. I've been keeping up on it, but the fact is they still have a great crop of talent. And I've sat down with a lot oh, of Oh, yeah. And whatever happens to ROH... If, 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 if things go even worse and they have to close up shop, all those talents will land on their feet. But the, oh, problem, 100%. But the problem is, and this is the big problem, the problem is, is, is that AEW's roster is too oversaturated. And that's well, they're, you- they're, they're going to drop a second show. It's going to, well, they have the second show, but I mean, they're, they they're going to have, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they have a lot of, of talent and that's fine if, you're going to send those that talent out. You, I personally think it's it's not a good thing to have a gigantic roster where then you have a lot of people that don't get to work. Like, it's it's just a shame when, when somebody's a wrestler and they go somewhere and just because we have so many people and we can't give everybody time, you're not going to get time. And that's, I think for a wrestler, that's probably the worst thing because you, you want to wrestle. And for a fan, it sucks too because we want to see you wrestle. So right. when your roster is so big that not, you know, you see people once in a while sporadically and it's the same people over and over. Yeah. Yeah. That's us from a fan perspective. And that's why I don't want MLW to get into this working relationship with WWE. Their roster is perfect. Everybody gets camera time almost every week. And I love it. The only thing MLW needs, and I've stated it from day one, is they need a strong woman's division. And I thought when they brought Aria Blake back, they were going to start that up again. They mentioned it. And then after when COVID hit, they kind of put it to the side. I hope yeah. they pick it back up because there's a lot of amazing females out there that are kicking ass. I mean, I could build you a roster right away. Holiday, Ray Lynn, Maddie Rakowski, Masha Slamovich. There's your women's division right there. And then Aria Blake right now, because she's pregnant. She's expecting her, her first child with TJ. Yep. Congratulations on them. Apparently, I believe he's a size just a little bit bigger than a stapler right now. And the way she posts on her Instagram all the time, but it's adorable and it's awesome. And I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's great. TJP. He's already going to come out. He's going to be taller than Buku Dao when he's born. So um, the fact is. He'll is probably come out like Hurricane Rana, the doctor or something. Absolutely. He will, because he's got, he's got TJP's blood. Come on, baby. He's going to do it. But the fact is, bro, is that I, I, it's the reason why MLW has been the best kept secret is because they're fair. They utilize their camera time. They utilize their talent pool. They do it so well. And they do these great slow story builds. And I, if the working relation happens, Corp Bauer, listen to your boy, please. You're as tough as nails. Except when it comes to Joseph Samael. Apparently you coward. But 
don't don't get involved in WWE machine because I don't want to see you just become a guy who's creative like Paul Heyman and write SmackDown or Raw. I want to see you controlling the company, making the moves you want to make, controlling the storylines how you want to control because it's been a working, amazing effort for me. So if I could state my opinion, I don't want there to be anything else than a talent sharing pool between NXT and MLW. And the only way it's mutually beneficial is if both parties get equal camera time. That's when a working relationship counts. Right now, in my opinion, this forbidden door, everybody's talking about I, uh, one of the groups that we're in. Everybody shits all over impact on a daily basis. The only thing good they talk about it is when Kenny Omega's on. I'm sorry. Impact has a great product. And it's been, you know what? It's I, enjoy, I, I fully enjoy Impact. It's lasted for as long as it have, even with all the up and down bullshit. Jarrett taking over, Dixie Carter taking over. Billy Corgan came in, tried to revive it. But then he went off and did his thing with NWA which has been successful. The fact is, is that Impact has survived all of that, all the shit storms. And they're still there because of guys like Scott Demore and Don Callis before all this nonsense of visible hand bullshit. But the fact is they built the brand back up. They went out and got amazing talent. It was one of the only companies that had a ton of Canadian talent at one time more than any other company. And that's what we need more of because it's already hard enough for our wrestlers to get over there, all the red tape and bullshit they have to go through. But when they oh, do yeah. get over there, they deserve to be deserve to be rocking way more than an exhibition title right before their contract ends. And I hope Josh gets a long, healthy run. And I hope, I hope and pray that he's in this tournament. And I would love to see Josh versus Kenny. Well, they should bring back, remember they used to have that rule you could cash in your exhibition title for a shot at the world title like that would be that would be nice maybe that's maybe that's something that happens let's have josh work kenny man i would love to see that and even if it doesn't work our way and josh doesn't get the impact title which it really should but even if it doesn't work that way josh versus kenny no one at ringside no distractions no bullshit but if you do do that and you do decide to bring don Callis and somebody out there the way they could have worked this is have kenny maybe I thought originally when this match was booked, I thought it was for respect, like a Survivor Series match. Who's the better team? Even when I did my prediction show, I had no idea the goal was online. Then I saw the comments. People were like, oh, the belts are on the line. And I was like, yes, that's just brought to my attention. I was not aware of that. (laughs) I thought it was a respect for respect match. I didn't know it was going to be Kenny going after titles. And then on an impact pay-per-view, you have Kenny take the belt off Rich one after Rich one put forth an amazing effort is a head scratcher for me. At the end of the day, I see the Forbidden Door differently. And as much as I'm excited for all these dream matches is happening, because I would have never seen Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega without something like this. And that's a dream match for me. Yeah. To see Rich Swan go at a guy like Kenny Omega and tell the story that was told was amazing. It was match of the night. Other than when Josh won, I marked out hard. I lost my voice screaming at the TV. We all was did. I was, I was screaming in my car. I was watching it on my phone in my car. I was like, yeah! My neighbors were looking over my car. <laughs> but the fact is, is that I, I see the Forbidden Door differently. But yeah, anyways, we'll wrap it up shortly. But before we do, what are your thoughts on this possible working relationship? Don't take too long because I've already monopolized with my rant. Yeah, no, I, um, time. I, I mostly share your sentiments. Like, like I'm not opposed to working relationships as long as it's good for everybody. I, I, I share your sentiment that I don't want to see MLW get thrown to the wayside, get bought out for back catalog purposes or to be exploited or or any of that, that thing. I think they have a real nice thing going. They're different and it's not about being better or worse. They're just different. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Like, that's a good thing. Different presentation, different style. 
that's a good thing. So MLW's got something unique. They've got their own idiosyncrasies, and I don't want to see them lose that either. So if there is any sort of working relationship, I think it's key that MLW retains its identity and doesn't, um, and I don't mean this pejoratively, sell out. I agree with everything you said. We were both on the same wavelength. And this episode has been awesome. It's been great conversation, great debate. Always great a pleasure. Bro. Always. Absolutely. And before we go, please shout out your socials so people can know when they can keep up with you and everything you're doing. And also oh, give that's a plug easy. for Stogie Mania. I know you guys don't record much these days, but give a plug anyways. All right. I'm uh, I'm at the real Uncle Bobby B on uh, Instagram. That's to differentiate myself from the fake Uncle Bobby B's. And uh, yeah, you can catch us at uh, at Stogie Mania is, is the uh, the crew. But, you know, we've been on hiatus because of COVID and we can't get together and smoke cigars. So it's been uh, we, we want to do the podcast when we can all sit down together again. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the best way to do it. But that's a good thing with me. Me and my daughter are in the same house. So we can. Beautiful. Great talk has been running very, very wild. And we're upcoming on guys. Don't forget, even though this is an MLW uh, faithful show, uh, Straight Talk has its 200 episode coming up. I got 196 dropping this week, 197, 198, 199. I still uh, send you a congratulations uh, video. Yes, you do. So get off your ass and make it fucking happen. I will do that. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Guys, as always, I'm your host, your boy, George Mackay. Please, again, thank my guest host, The Real Uncle Bobby B, for being on for this week. And if you guys like this mix, you like this chemistry, holler at your boy in the comments. Let me know what you think. Maybe I bring him back in July. We'll find out. Might come back. Who knows? Maybe. As always, guys, peace, love, and wrestling. See you next time. Peace. Peace.